This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Florence Marine X is with us again today. I introduced this partnership uh, last week, and I've had some really nice notes from some of you who already love the brand and their gear. And then a lot of people um, who have been following the brand for the past year, but just made their first purchases after hearing last week's show. If you have been curious about John John's project, now is the time to dive in because they are offering our listeners 20% off your entire purchase, but it's only to introduce this partnership. So it's only your first purchase and it's only available in May and June. So do not miss it. The promo code is the word SURF and FlorenceMarineX.com is the website. I mentioned the Cordura board short last week, but I've also been wearing their Traveler short just for everyday chores in and around the house. They are made of what they call ripstop fabric. Uh, I'd never heard of this before, but it's super durable. It almost feels rip proof and as sturdy as they are, it somehow gets softer as you wash and wear them, but without losing that durability. They're breathable, comfortable enough to sleep in, really unique and epic. The traveler short is what they're called. And of course the long sleeve hooded shirt with UFP protection is best in class. For surfing, for fishing, it has a built-in gaiter in addition to that hood, so really comprehensive sun and ultraviolet protection. So thank you, John John. Thank you, FMX team. Glad to have you here. And again, listeners, 20% off with the promo code SURF at FlorenceMarineX.com. And you'll also need that Florence Marine X hooded long sleeve on your next surf trip, which can be made possible through waterwaystravel.com. The world is opening up, thankfully, but your time and resources are precious. Sure, you could wing it like you did in your early 20s. I actually did a seven-day trip to Nicaragua with two friends once where we only surfed on day one, fully skunked the entire rest of the trip, and I probably couldn't really have even afforded that trip in the first place. And while those friends are great to surf with, spending a week drinking beer with them all was a total waste of time. Waterways not only saves you time and money, but they save you all of the little hassles and anxieties that erode the fun part of travel. So Indo, South Africa, Maldives, Fiji, Mexico, Samoa, all of the destinations that you have dreamed about are within reach and have been totally vetted and the accommodations and the meals curated to ensure that you score the right conditions. And beyond that, if you need filmers, if you need a fishing trip detour or whatever, Waterways is your concierge. So waterwaystravel.com. We don't have a promo code or anything like that, but definitely let them know that we sent you. Have a blast. Email me a photo of you scoring wherever you are in the world. Waterwaystravel.com. Thank you and enjoy. The affable, fast-talking, hilarious, and whip-smart Benji Weatherly is our guest today. Benji is a self-proclaimed pro-surf fraud. 
because he duped his fans and brands into letting him surf professionally for 28 years. It all started on the North Shore of Oahu. Fleeing from a less than loving father, Benji's mother relocated there. And it was there that Benji got his first paying sponsorship at the age of 14. It's also where he met fellow like-minded, emancipated, supremely talented young teenage surfers like Kelly Slater, Rob Machado, Ross Williams, Shane Dorian, and a half dozen others who needed a place to crash and eat. Benji gets his gregarious nature from his mother, who had an open-door policy for any and all of Benji's wayward friends. As a result, she was left with empty cupboards and sandy furniture that she still hasn't fully been able to clean to this day. But those friendships and the camaraderie that formed would go on to become known as the Momentum Generation, a movement that ignited immeasurable progression in surfing, countless careers and brands, and doused the kindling surf industry with gasoline. While many of Benji's cohorts thrived on competitive success, Benji let his personality be the star of his career. And sometimes, to be honest, it overshadowed how great of a surfer he actually was. By the time that he got his final surf paycheck at the age of 36, he was completely over it and all but disappeared from the surf scene for the next 10 years. Today, he talks about those 10 years and how, in many ways, they were actually the happiest and most informative time of his life. He talks about addiction. He talks about how being honest about it has staved off the depression and helped keep the narrative light. And these are also many of the topics that he brushes up against in his new podcast, Let's Potty with Benji Weatherly. He is seven episodes in. Episodes are published every Wednesday. And that is where we enter our conversation with Benji. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with one of my very favorite pro surfers from when I was growing up, Benji the best one I've done so far. I'm just learning. Uh, no, um, I'm on my podcast. I'm going my first season. I'm going for like crazy kind of big names because I want to kind of use the marketing through their social media. It's the only way to do it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of <laughs> that's the only way I could do it for sure because I have two magazines that are helping me out, Stab and uh, Wellbone. But I just like I'm doing like crazy people like Julia Roberts in two weeks. I'm doing Shut like because I'm like all the people that I know. I look at their followers. I'm like, holy shit, she's got 10 million followers. I'm like, you're doing my podcast. She's like, let's go. Um, so obviously the connection to Julia is Danny Motor, right? You kind of. Kelly. Kelly, really. Oh, okay. uh, but I did meet her with her husband. Um, are we on? 
We're on. We're on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very informal. So what's the name of this joint? Uh, surf Splendor. Splendor. Killer. So we've been... It's my first surf podcast. Isn't that ironic? I've done a bunch, but they've always been, you know, photography and all these other people have asked me to do them, but it's the first time people consider me a surfer. This is nice. So we've been at it since 2013. Yeah. My podcast director said that. you guys have 400 and some episodes. Yeah. That's insanity. Cause right now I'm on seven and I'm like, fuck, how many more do I have to do? It's crazy. <laughs> 400 so we do, is we do them weekly. The idea was kind of to build it out like uh, the magazines used to be, which is there's a interview section, there's contest results, there's maybe a little gossipy section over here. Mm -hmm. So rebuilding the magazine thing through podcasts, through podcasts. Oh, that's cool. I yeah. like that. We I was with the Perry Farrell one the other day. We we're talking about. He, he, I don't know if you know his whole story. I want you to listen to it because it's the side of his life. I went into it thinking, oh, I'm going to ask him about all the stuff I want to know about music, right? Because when you do these podcasts, I'm still learning. So, and I have no real. Um, I guess structure on my podcast. It's it. In fact, the opening is Donovan saying it, the podcast that you'll learn absolutely nothing. And it's, I like the Joe Rogan concept of a conversation. And he told me right out of the gates, he just started with, I didn't realize he was from New York for one. And then he goes, I, I moved on a Greyhound bus, ran away from home to Oceanside. He lived in Oceanside when he was 19. And he and then he lived in Cardiff. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, that was back when the ing and the er were around. And I'm like, the ing and the er? And he's like, surfing, surfer. And he's like, well, those would come out. And I, I miss that so much. It, it brought it back to me. I was like, I remember that standing over my friend's shoulders going, this is the new surfer. Oh, my God. And we just sit there and you were just, just like you're doing now is like, the beginning was the opening chapter and it had the crazy wipeout photo or the contents, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. Table of and then, and then it would get into the ads and even ads were exciting. You're like, Oh my God, mm -hmm. this is the new Billabong ad. That's so sick. And then the editorial, I, I mean, you would know better how it all went, but um, we were going about it and his whole life revolved around the travel part. He's like, my dream is to go. And he told me this Island in the Caribbean, it was like Lutheran or some, some Island. I really didn't know. Cause he's like, I can't remember the name. And I'm like, Barbados, Panama. I was like telling them all. And he's like, no. And then he said this weird word and he goes, I saw it in surfer magazine 76 or something. And I'm like, how cool was that back then when you would just see this perfect left and be like, oh, I'm going there no matter what it takes, you know? And nowadays we just flip to our phones. Well, I mean, and it was so impactful. You would oh, see that image yeah. and, and it's seared into his brain. hundred percent. And yeah. he still, he never got to go. So the story is you got to listen to the podcast, but his dad promised him that he would get it. If he graduated, he gets to go to this Island and he's buying him a seven, two single fin. Cause that's what year it was. It was 70, got late seventies, but it was a seven, two single fin of what he wanted. And his dad never gave it to him. So he's like, I'm out of here. And he got on the bus, Greyhound, moved to Oceanside. And oh I was gosh. just like, Oh, that's so dope. But I would be really neat to see him go to his dream trip one day. So he's coming down here and I'm going to shape him. I, I don't know about the seven, two, but I'm going to shape him aboard. And he was super excited. And then I want to ask him if he wants to go on that surf trip of his dream. You That'd know, that one. wouldn't that be cool? What is that? 50 years later. Crazy. <laughs> it's so cool. And it's crazy that you and I don't even know the name of that Island. Like nobody else has been surfing it for the last In fact, he, he said it. And then I go, I don't know if that's right. It's like, it was, I go, um, Tortola. And he's like, no, it's not that one. It was like Lutheran or something like that. And I'm like, I've never heard of that Island. But back then they were showing in surfer magazine, these places that nowadays we don't even go after. Like they were just 
going after these travel issues where you're like, where is that? It was like Micronesia. Luckily, I got to go to 90% of them, but that one uh, that he knows about, I might have to check into. Maybe but, it's an island we don't know about. But you're right, though. It seems like from the 80s onward, it's the same places over and over that people tend to go. Yeah. And there are plenty of others that are just hush-hush. Poor Porto know? Escondido. Yeah. He's like, I went to the Mexican pipeline. I'm like, Porto. And I'm like, do you know that there's hundreds of point breaks down there that we yeah, just yeah. started finding? Or not, well, we did kind of find Barra in a sense. When we did that, um, what was Taylor's movie when we found that point? Remember that one? It was like one of the one was in the theaters. Hit and run. I think oh, it was yeah, hit yeah. and run. Okay. And, uh, Dan Malloy on the cover. And we were going to Porto every year. And every year we drive from Oaxaca to Porto because it would save rusty surfboards 20 bucks because we'd fly into that airport. And we'd get in the back of a cattle truck and drive right by the point breaks. And my, I'm a regular foot. And I was, when they finally, uh, Taylor Steele or someone's like, hey, there's point breaks three hours down the coast. This down. I'm like, what? And then every time we'd go there, I'd go, I fucking drove by this thing fifth for 10 years. Like Insane. Every time Todd Chester's sitting next to me going, stop being a pussy because there are cows and shit in the back. We're going through <laughs> the thing. Literally, if all we did is take a pee break and look over the cliff, we probably would have found a point break. Right. Ugh, and we'd go to closeout beach breaks. Right. right. Ah, fuck. Um, back to the podcast. Why'd you get into it? I really wanted to do it because I, I thrive off of knowledge and information not so much bad information, but like Joe Rogan's podcast is therapy for me. Like I run, I love running, and that's what I turn on every time. I just turn it on, and it, it, it soothes the soul for me because it's like I get interesting facts and different things, and it's soothing. It's, it's meditative. Podcasts are meditative, and I wanted to be on the other side of the mic so I can learn from all these people. Like I did a, a crystal professional. I know that sounds weird. I don't even know what the, which she's a jeweler. Uh, you know, she came out today on my podcast. I saw that. And she, uh, I, my ex-girlfriends and my ex-wife even, everybody was so into stones. And I would always kind of, you know, I'm open-minded to it, but I didn't know anything about it. And it always seemed kind of like silly. You know, you never really put enough of the energy into it and stuff. So I finally was like, I, I kind of want to know more about it. And that was one of the best podcasts I could have ever done because everything she said, I have no idea what she's talking about. So I'm like, what? Okay. And then, you you know, just learning what all of them meant. I was like, oh, there is a lot to this. And I love Bali and Hindu and the Buddhism and all the stuff that are spiritual and like connected and like in the now. And she, you, you when people are that connected to, I guess, humanity, really, spirituality and stuff, you can feel it. And yeah. I, she wasn't fake. She wasn't like, oh, God, this is like pulling hair out of my neck. Like, you know, it was just like, what? And you can feel it. You can feel her energy. And you're like, this girl's not, she's not doing it to be cool. She was doing it because she feels that this is something important in the world. So I was just like, okay, this is, this is why I'm doing the podcast is because I want to, it's not interviewing Kelly Slater like everybody thinks. Like everyone's like, what are you going to do, Kelly? And I'm like, I don't know. And even like I'm friends with the guys from Blink and all these, I've been interviewing all these other band members that I'm friends with, but not best friends with, because it's just the way it's going. I'm just following the, the trail. I'm uh, just breadcrumbs, you know? So like, how do you pick the guest list? I do. I promise <laughs> you this is the funniest process. I think of something that I really like. And the other night it was Perry Farrell. The other night I, I have a really young girlfriend, which is kind of funny because she had no idea who Jane's Addiction was, right? No way. And where I, I heard it the day before. And then I, I go, hey, have you ever heard of Jane's Addiction? And she's like, who's that? Or what is that? That's crazy. She said, what is that? How old is she? 
She's 24. Okay. So she's just, and the best is, is a 34 year might not even know, right? Right. Like she's like, uh, what is it? So I play it. She's like, this is so good. And I go, right? I go, how about pornos from Pyros? And then she's like, never heard of it. Put that on. And she's like, what the fuck? And then my, one of my, I put it in my movie. I made life as a movie. It was um, extreme action sports movie I made by myself. And I directed and produced it. And I used Perry's newest band. It's called Satellite Party. And has his wife in there singing as well. And, I go, what about Satellite Party? So we listen to all of it. And I go, you know what? I go, I, I'm, you know, I know him. I'm just going to text him. And I, t- well, actually, I didn't text him because I didn't have his number. I texted a friend and then got the number. Luckily, I have friends that know everybody. And they gave me the number. I texted him within five minutes. He's like, let's do this. Let's go. No and I'm like, okay. And then yesterday, a few days ago, I was, we were watching a movie. And, uh, and Julia Roberts was on it. And I go, <laughs> so funny. I said, uh, I could put Julie on it. And she goes, no, you can't. And I go, oh, totally. So I, I hit up another friend, got her number instantly. Shout out to Chris Malloy. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, oh, she always talks about you, man. You hit her up. I'm sure she'll, she'll do it. Right away, it's just like, of course, let's do this. So I'm just kind of using, and I'm, those are all big names. And the one with the crystals was my director's uh, old employee. So I'm just letting it come to me, gotcha. basically. And then finding different, like, I'm obviously going to do Griffin and Keller Pinto and talk about the drive-through and and talk about, and surfing, Kalani Rob and the catch surf dudes. I really want to do that one and just talk shit about boogie boarding for a living now. And, you know, not worrying about doing huge errors and stuff for Kalani Rob. So just find things that I'm interested in and then find, just let it keep going and just let it potty, you know? Um, do you have any help doing it? Producer? I have one. I have one per, she's my partner. Her name is Annie Graziano and she works with Greg Browning, mm-hmm. you know, Greg from the yep. drive-thrus and she works in his office and I'm doing this thing and I'm like, I can't do this by myself. I tried. It didn't work very well. And a couple of them, I forgot to press record on your beautiful it's little the, machine there. Dude, I've done it. It's Have the, you been at the oh end and seen God. the green light? and went? I get 10 oh minutes in and I realize it. Oh, how about an hour and 30 I did Brutal. the other day with a professional jockey racer and he was the best. At the very end, I looked down and she was there. And she, that one thing she didn't do, we have two cameras, the whole thing. And the one thing she doesn't do is push that stupid red button, right? Right here. It's your one. And I, I, at the very end, I thought, thanks so much for coming, man. And I looked down, it's green. And I look at her and I go, and then she's like, did you? And I'm like, oh my God. And then we, we, he laughed and we went over and she goes, you didn't record. And I'm like, no. So we, <laughs> we use the audio yeah. from the cameras, yeah, but it yeah. sounded so bad. We took it down. I was oh, like, really? yeah, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. He's such a cute little buddy. <laughs> and it's, I wanted the visual and, and it's, you know, it's, it, it sucks. It was right the week before the Kentucky Derby with oh a big gosh. upset. And I was, it would have been cool, but you learn. And that's what's I've made cool. every, every single mistake yeah. you think of. I, I made, can't wait to I'm ask literally you. ten years in, I nine years. Uh, in. Dude, I'm actually that's what my girl told me today. She goes, "You're gonna learn something from him." He has four hundred something episodes, and I do. I want well, all these little insights. So four hundred again of that one show, but we have other shows, so it's probably it's a thousand total. Dude. If you can believe that, it's I, believe, crazy. I can't believe it. So I can't even imagine getting up to a hundred right now because I think I'm on seven or eight, and I, you do them every week, right? Yeah, Once exactly. A week. So you. Uh, I've, somebody said it. Shane Dorian said he won't do years until you hit a hundred episodes. Is that um, true? No. You know what's funny is uh, he says that on Joe Rogan, and all my friends said it. They're like, "Oh, dude, he's talking about you." And I go, "I don't think so. I think oh, okay. he's talking about someone else." Okay. But uh, I wouldn't ask. See, Shane's one of those guys that I can get on tomorrow if I wanted to. But I don't. I kind of want to prove to my friends. That's kind of one I've always done, especially with the older brother guys that are surfers like Slater and. Williams and all the dudes is except Kalani. Kalani's the same age as me and stuff. But those are like the older brother guys, and they always give me shit. 
they're always like, you know, all, and no matter what I do, like I'm doing stand up now and everything. And that they kind of been really encouraging because they know how scary that one is. But every I started a restaurant, I, mean, I didn't start a restaurant, excuse me. I took over a restaurant. All these ventures I go on, all my really established friends like Shane Doran, for one, is kind of not, they're not judgmental, but they're very big brothery about it. So when I heard that on Joe Rogan, I was like, it sounds like it's so me, but I don't really do think it is. But that's how it is with Shane. You know, he wants to see me do it and do it well. And then he'll represent what I'm doing. But he'll be the first one to say like, until you take it serious, I'm not going to go. So it could be me. And I, <laughs> when I have Dorian on my podcast, I'm going to ask, like, was that me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the 101 show. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I, I love that about my friends. That's why I've been able to achieve kind of a lot of goals that I put out there is my friends are gangster when it comes to uh, finishing what you start. And I'm tr trying to teach my little brother that more than anything is when you start anything, whether it's washing dishes in a restaurant, Finish it well. Finish it. It's uh, really easy for a lot of younger kids right now that I'm seeing that want to just start something and be like, woo, and then the next day they're like, never mind, I hate that, woo, and then it just goes and goes and goes, and then they're 35 years old, and they're like, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, you have to, I do everything until the end, which is scary because a lot of it I want to run from, like, you know, from friends passing away to doing stand-up, it's been the scariest. I'm doing Belly Up the 27th and 28th of this month with Donovan Frankenreiter, I'm opening for him, and there's 600 people, right? It, it's a... It holds 600 people. I did it in New York and there were 65 people. I right? saw that, yeah. And so the, my friend that's a comedian in New York, he goes, don't do it. He goes, like I told him, I, I texted him, I said, hey, I'm doing this gig. And he goes, how many people? And I go, 600. And he goes, no, 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 no. But no, 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 no. And I go, what? And he goes, that's too many people. He goes, there's going to be people in the back screaming and yelling and talking and getting drinks. There's going to be people shouting. And he's like, it'll be really hard to get your humor across. It's going to be very distracting and this and that. And it's too loud. And the, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm on the poster. Like, I can't get out of it. So crash and burn like Maverick, I really, really don't mind. Well, I think failing is an accomplishment in itself. Can you do gigs until then? Well, that's what I have to do, but I've been doing it with my friends. Like I did Scott Eastwood, a podcast the other day, and he goes, I was talking about acting, and I said, I said, you know, I'm really scared. I just really want to get more reps, but I don't like doing open mics because it's just as scary as the real thing, which is kind of the reason why I should do them. But uh, he goes, a better thing to do, which I do with acting classes, is just bring like 10 of your best friends or people you like. Have a barbecue, have a few drinks, and just try your set over and over and over. Even if it's three times in one night with your friends, they're going to be the best critics. They're going to be like, dude, don't do that one or yeah. do that. And then it's not stressful. And, and so I always do it in front of my, my girlfriend and her friends and stuff. And I did it. I did a joke on my podcast, which I hope is it came off okay with Perry Farrell. He goes, let me hear one of them. So I did my hiccup joke. And, uh, you know, you're looking at your one of your heroes icons and you're telling this joke and I'm like so stressed out, but I'm getting used to it yeah. to a point where if someone goes, hey, tell me a joke. I'm like, all right, fuck you. Let's go. Knock, knock. Who's there? And then, you know, I fart. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually have a routine that you've crafted. Yeah. Well, see, okay. in New York, when I did it, I was so scared about the jokes that I wrote that I the night before I couldn't sleep. I told my girlfriend after I said. You don't know how many times the day I finished, I finally did it. I, I told her that whole day I wanted 15 different things that I was going to make an excuse not to do it. 
And I told her after, I go, you don't understand. Like, remember when we ate breakfast and I was like, I don't feel good. I was making excuses the whole day, yeah, the whole yeah, day. Yeah. And at the very end of the day, right before I was five o'clock, I had to be there at seven. I remember going, the guy won't mind. The guy's my friend. The guy that owns the comedy, like, I'm good. Like, I'm just going to say, I, I can't do it. I can't do it, right? And I, it's like a lesson to everyone out there. Doing anything terrifying, which is the best thing you can do, is everything that scares you, you need to go straight for it is you're gonna doubt yourself till the last second. I mean, you might even doubt yourself while you're doing it, which I luckily didn't because I made a, a executive decision in the backstage when the guy was announcing me. He goes, I go, fuck it. I'm just gonna do funny stories. I go, cause I had so much material about New York already just from being there for the week. And I was like, okay, okay, fuck it. I'm just gonna be funny. So I shined the jokes and just came out and just went off the cusp and said everything that resembled humor in New York that week and this and that. And I started doing tangents about, you know, Iranian food and all, just all kinds of stuff. And the guy that ran the whole comedy show, he's like, dude, you didn't even tell jokes. But everyone loved it. Everyone's laughing and high-fiving me and yeah, everyone yeah. liked it. But he's like, you got to do, you got to have a routine, man. He's like, and I, I go, I'm not a ballerina dancer. I'm just funny. And, he, and then I, I had to dwell on it. And then I took the criticism and I was angry and I was like, dude, maybe I didn't do it right. And I realized the routine has to be set in stone because I'm doing two shows in New York again next month. And now I have my hiccup joke. I got my North County joke ready because I'm doing it in Solana <laughs> Beach. I got so many avocado meets the toast and the freaking pickle meets the ball. And Van Rob life. Machado is sleeping in your... What's that? Van life. Yeah, There's a oh whole God. van life oh, genre shit. you could... Maybe I, I need to put the big yeah. van. What are those things called? Sprinters. Yeah, exactly. So it's where the sprinter meets the surf. I mean, it really is going to be a North County meltdown. Either going to love me or hate me, but it's going to be funny. They, they have a sense of humor. Yeah, so I'm, and Robin Chato is going to be there, and he's not going to like how many Robin Chato jokes I have. Um, and so I'm going to have jokes, and I'm going to have a routine because I do back-to-back -back nights, and I'll be able to know by night two which, which jokes work and what didn't. So, well, you, so you've done one show? I've done two shows in my life. But crazy. And in New York. So New York was, my the guy that ran the show, he's insane. He's from the Jimmy Fallon show. He's the talent director. Gotcha. And he's super honest. And he actually gave me some criticism right out, right when I got on stage. I was like, what? And I went home like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to motherfucker. And it burned in my soul. But it was like, oh, that's exactly what it was like when you're trying to be in a pro surfer or being, you know, uh, the host at Surfer Pole and everyone has something to say. And you're yeah. like, oh, that hurt, you know? But then 10 people say how great it was. But that yeah. one motherfucker. Of course. He's like, dude, your shoes look, you know, you're like, what? The shoe? Uh, but yeah, it was, it was you, this guy. And he goes, he goes, you know, you know, you, you just did comedy in New York. And I go, I know, right? And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, I'm saying it wrong. He goes, he goes, now you, you can do comedy anywhere. And I go, what does that mean? And he goes, so you don't realize, but if you start your comedy in New York or Boston, there's a couple places. If you do it there first, when you travel, they'll let you do it. And I go, what? And he goes, yeah. He goes, it's like, and he, he like put it into terms. It's like if you played bit, uh, if you're in a band and you played like the Hollywood Bowl first, now you can go to belly up and dance naked. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Like you have the reference. And I was like, oh, no way. So when I got home, I felt like I, I can do it. I can do it here. And then, so yeah. anyway, that's why I said, okay, to Donovan, because he's my biggest component of like, he got, he got the gig going right out of the gates. He's like, I got all the tickets. You're opening for me. How much time do you want? How much? And he's just, you know, Donovan's the man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Love him. Um, what's your end goal for comedy? Do you want to actually tour and do stand up? I want to do it until I'm not interested in it. Um, but 
like I don't have, that's why I think the podcast and maybe the stand up will work for me because I don't want a dollar from either one of them. And all I want to do is get good at that craft because that's what intrigues me. That's why I, I never wanted to win surf contests. I wanted to put tracks down with good music because that attracted me with the comedy. I've always been really outgoing and silly. So I want to see where that can take me. And I like comedy writing. So like, that's why the last couple of weeks I've been getting more into the writing part. Luckily these phones are just talking to them. This is so much better than totally. just, by the time I type halfway through, I'm like, what was I thinking? But uh, I do the voice memo and I get all the jokes out, but I want to start writing for other things, other projects and other people and stuff. Cause voice memoing for voice other projects. Memo for, and then like, <laughs> exactly. you can't write it. you're like, Hey, I wrote this all out for you. He's like, it looks like you just, just listen. Just listen. Why are you singing in the middle of it? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that's the the real end goal for me is writing for comedy, maybe sense. shows, skits, uh, you know, stuff like that. Maybe even I like have a lot of movie ideas. Just just kind of do stuff like that. But even that, I don't want any money. Um, don't don't be so opposed to money. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, well, the, my the, crystal lady says I'm about to jump into some money because I picked out this rock that said like, let's go. Oh, sweet. Too legit to quit kind sweet. of thing. I was like, Well, I'm just rock? saying it's great that you don't, that you're not motivated by the money. However, the money allows you to continue to do the totally. thing. Totally. Like you I still got to pay my director girl. Totally. So I need to make money for that. Yeah. I told her though, like whatever money we make, she can have 50% of it no matter what because she's just as you yeah. know, responsible. But um, the end goal being with comedy and, and sorry, my podcast, the podcast thing is different than the comedy because the comedy is more like self-reflective of like myself. The podcast is about the other people, which I have so many. My life is a movie. That's the movie I actually made back in uh, 2008 or 2009. Because my life is, everyone, all my friends would be like, your life's like a movie. Because it would be like the Julia Roberts would come in and we'd do a walk-off like Zoolander in front of all my friends. Like, what is happening? Right. And all these random things happen to me because my life is just, really blessed in that way. So the podcast is like, all I got to do is just keep dreaming up all these scenarios and they keep happening and just let it go. And then the other people will jump on board because they see it working and hopefully that'll let be me, the reason. Let me offer you some perspective. Um, I grew up watching, like I knew who you were when I was getting into surfing, right? I, so I'm a fan of yours. Let's Did you say. grow up in Cali? Yeah, Southern California my whole life. So I was watching the Taylor Steele movies and all that stuff from the mid nineties onward. Mm -hmm. Currently, there's very little way to engage with you as a surf fan. Instagram is great, sure. But for all these other guys, I've had these touchstones throughout the years right. where it's like, if, if I'm not actively trying to keep touch with them, Shane Dorian's being fed to me by all these other things. Mm -hmm. So the podcast is a great way for you to engage with the audience who wants to engage with you right. on a weekly basis. Totally. And social media is great too, but I think I don't, Think you're too active on social media no, i'm not at no, right I'd never so you're no. not really doing that thing but the reality is you have fans from all these different areas now who kind of want these regular engagements from you and so think of the podcast as that way it's an yeah. ongoing conversation that yeah. you could be engaging with your audience and i think stand-up is an extension of that yeah. so you can continue doing that too yeah i agree like it brought me back in the light i guess you could say totally. drive through this last year we exactly, brought that yeah. back and uh that was, I mean, you, I can't. Give me the story of how that even came back. Dude, I, to be honest. Oh, the and I'll tell you real quick. I'll interrupt you again. Um, I grew up loving that. It was such a fun series. And when I saw that it was being redone, I was nostalgic about mm. it, but also a little bit apprehensive of right. like, dude, well, now we're going to have these 40-year-old dudes dude. going on a road trip. Fuck yeah. Like, yeah. is this actually going to be entertaining? <laughs> Every time. And then the episode shows up and it's 30 minutes long. And I'm like, I don't want to take 30 minutes. Within a minute, 
I'm fully engaged into it. By the end of the 30, I'm like, give me 30 more. <laughs> and they're as good as they used they, to be. I think, yeah, I, I hate to say that they're, they're better because I haven't watched one of the old ones forever. But I was like, I got, I can't, this is a really cool topic, to be honest. I've never spoke about it. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because just like you said, I'm in my 40s and I haven't surfed for five years i would say what by the no day the way. first day we went on and ventura was this big it was the first time i stood up on a surfboard and i and i this is hard to say to the public because i lied to all my friends and said i've been right. surfing totally i wasn't surfing i was really depressed and very very over the the whole concept of being a pro surfer because i was done with it and when you're done being a pro surfer, 38 is when I got my last paycheck from Analog when they just, they didn't go out of business, but they shut down the whole surf thing. Channel Islands I still rode for, but all my sponsors were with Burton. And so they all kind of shut their doors and I was like, I'm not. And then I got offered from, I can't really say the name because I don't want to make them feel stupid, but they gave me a, a pretty good offer to be a pro surfer still. And I was like, huh. Clothing I, company? It was a clothing company. Okay. One here. And I was like, and it was a good money. It was more than a school teacher makes. And I was like, fuck. And I went, you know, I don't want to do that. I go, I've I've all my whole life, I've always watched guys that are in their late 30s or in 40s. And I'm like, dude, give it up. You know, like I'm the most critical person ever. So when he said, no one wants to watch it in 40s, dude. WSL was telling me and Donovan that no one wants fucking Mick Fanning. I mean, that's another story that I'll go into in a second. So I was so freaked out that I couldn't surf. I didn't practice. I didn't do anything because I was just, it was, I was shocked that we were going to do it. I was laughing. I was going, this is going to be so sick. Hang up the phone and be like, oh, fuck. What am I really doing? Like yeah. you, it, being in front of a surf camera men in a, a, a production company is one of the most stressful things you'll ever do in your life. Because every second they're judging you. Every second you're on a wave, every second you're on the beach, every second you're doing something, you're being judged. And you have five angles of it. And they want you to make a mistake because that's funny. Mm -hmm. So you're like, I'm like, do I want this? Do I really want to be this guy again? It's um, I, I don't know if I can. Because now I've gone over the threshold of that confidence that I used to have. Now I'm an older guy that's like out of shape, doesn't surf, doesn't... I mean, being a pro surfer is one of the hardest things you could do mm -hmm. physically and mentally, right? So I'm now at this point where I'm sitting in meetings and this is the story of why it came back. I'm running my restaurant in Hawaii. Donovan calls me once every seven years. <laughs> I mean, really, literally, it's, it's every fucking five years, maybe. And I get three missed calls and I'm up in Mililani because I live in Hawaii. And I'm up in Mililani uh, getting lunch and my phone, I feel it vibrating, but I'm kind of not really paying attention. Three missed calls from Donovan Frankenreiter. I'm like, huh? And I'm like, must be butt dials. So I call him and he goes, are you fucking kidding me? Woo! And he's doing his whole Donovan thing. I'm like, what's up, man? I miss you. And he goes, are you sitting down? And I go, no, it doesn't matter. I had never seen you know, I'm antsy motherfucker. And, I'm, and he goes, we're bringing the drive-thru back. And, and this is 10 years in the making of him texting going, dude, you, how many texts do you get from people on Instagram? And I'm like, every single one is bring back the drive-thru to me. And I'm always just like, ah, I can't do it. It's, and then the 10 years went by and I'm like, of course we're not doing it. Now we're the 40 year old <laughs> dorks, right? So next thing you know, he caught, he says, hey, WSL's buying it or bought it from Fuel TV. And I go, what's that mean? And WSL has always hated me anyway, just because I'm not a competitive guy and I always are just silly and they're all serious and there's earphones and fizzle balls and I'm running around nude and shit. So uh, they go, we want to have a conference call, but Donovan goes, they wanted to do it with these people, but I said, it has to be Greg Browning, Taylor Steele and you, or we're not doing it. 
And I was like, cool, man, I'm in. So then WSL comes in and wanted to do, we did it. Like, I, I can't say the budget, but like a hundred grand they spent <laughs> on just me and Donovan doing the making, uh, excuse me, the, the intro. So it was like a Quentin Tarantino intro we shot here at Donovan's mansion that he just bought. That's some of a bitch. And we did a whole thing where it's like, we're bringing, what we're, Donovan does this COVID thing where he's in his house, but has sourdough bread for days and toilet paper everywhere. Like he hasn't left the house in years. And he's like, he's looking at magazines. He's like, oh man, he sees like dirty dancing CDs. And he's like, oh man. Oh, and he sees a drive-through one. And he's like, oh my God, are you imagine bringing this back? And then he calls Slater, he calls Pat O'Connell, he calls Machado and everyone's like, dude, that's so old. No one's going to watch that shit. And then all of a sudden he goes, Benji. And then I'm in a bunker hitting golf shots. We <laughs> shot it with like red cameras and fucking, we had six people there were lighting. It was crazy. Excuse me. And so... I'm in the bunker and I make singing hit and my phone rings and I'm like, Donnie, what up? And he's like, we're bringing it back. And that was the opening, right? So we're like, oh, this is going to be so sick. And, and then the WSL only had nine days to make it. And they wanted to make it from Northern Cal down to the lowers contest at the end of the year in nine days. And they wanted to put a crew together that was a girl surfer, which is an amazing surfer. She's like winning contests and stuff. She's an awesome surfer. And then they wanted a guy from a reality show to come in from The Bachelor that's a really handsome guy. And they had a, a crew that they wanted. And we were like, no, 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 no. They missed the point. They, I was like, no, 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 no. You guys, I go, I, got, I talked to Mick Fanning yesterday and he's in. And the guy, <laughs> this is when I knew we were fucked. He goes, no one wants to watch 40-year-old surfers. And I'm, he's talking about Mick Fanning, right? Not just me. Obviously, right. no one wants me. I, that's <laughs> right, right, the greatest right. part about it. I don't give a fuck about my surf how if people sees it see how like oh he's not as good as he used to be of course i'm not i don't care if i cared i maybe is maybe still ripping but who cares and looking <laughs> when he said that about mcfanny i was like oh no we're fucked because it was supposed to be about the world's best we always had the iconic guy so you're like Dude, you just wanted to watch aki put his wetsuit on like that's what was so dope about it the videos and weren't about the it wasn't about the age or ripping or eat, yeah and all that stuff so i was like no 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 you, I, and then he goes it's already done and he goes you can't and we already signed the thing so i was like oh no we're not going to do this the right way. And Donovan's like, we're out of here. He goes, he called me right after the conversation. He goes, I, we're not doing it. He's like, if we're going to bring these random people, and it's not random in a sense, like there's a girl is an amazing surfer, but we didn't have girls on it before. And it's such a dude cruise, not to take away from the DC movie, but it was such a dude cruise that I didn't think it would work. And it wouldn't have. And so, and we needed more time and we wanted to do the United States. We wanted to go to the wave pools. We didn't have anything set up. And we were just like, oh my God, this is going to fail. And then I made a comment and a Zoom call, which I think is out there enough for I me think to Stab talk about. Might have reported and on I it. got a little bit canceled by the WSL because I said something and they were like, you know, you can't say that kind of stuff. And it was just in a Zoom call. So I thought I was just off the cusp. But uh, the HR department, WSL is such a big corporation, they can't mess around. And there, no, no problem between me and the WSL because. They saved it. They saved it by doing that right. because we. It was got a dick the, joke, right? Honestly. It was a dick joke. Yeah. I made a dick joke about Kelly's phone or something, yeah, yeah. and it really was harmless. But I get it. Like, they saw it as liability for putting this guy on camera. And we have they have so many corporate sponsors that they're like, dude, if we make this this show and he's out there making jokes like that, we could all get canceled. It is what I, the consensus is. Is what I come up with, which is totally fine. And it, I got to be honest, my potty mouth saved the drive through. So they all owe me. Every one of my friends owes me at least a beer. And um, and the WSL still, 
you know, one of the coolest brands out there and it just wouldn't have worked because well, we have to have me shitting on the side of the road when we fucking couldn't stop. And we need to be able to, you know, have the opening scene where fucking Griffin gets pants. Right. Like I want, that has to be the way. And we came up with the coolest, um, like kind of like defense of the whole needs to have women in it and stuff. When we were in the East coast of this drive through, we had the four goats. Like we had Carissa Moore, Lisa Anderson, uh, Carol Marks and Sage Erickson all in tracksuits saying, we need to do a women's drive through and we own it now. Like we're the producers and we actually own the whole thing. We're like, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to make the coolest drive through with all the best girl surfers yeah. and have like Laura Enever as like the Benji, you know, yeah. like fucking and shit in her pants. Oh, well, Laura, I know you're not shitting your <laughs> pants, but maybe you could just for the show. That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, it's just like, wouldn't that just be the coolest thing? Yeah. Especially because the little girls would be like, we have our own drive through. So I don't know. I just, it kind of worked out good that I had a potty mouth, but at the same time I regret being so loose that the WSL told well, me to F off. No, I think you, you were in the right and the WSL shuttered WSL studios yeah. since then. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, I think they've kind of time and time again, missed the point, like the essence of what was the drive through they don't see. Right. And they're trying to drive this other agenda right. and missing the point entirely. Totally. You know? And, yeah. When they told us, so Donovan, I, like we need you to know that these are, this is what we're doing on the drive through and Greg Browning saying, no, you don't understand this is our Zoom, one of our Zoom calls. You don't understand. We we just let the surfers do what they want that day. They say, oh, I'm going to go rock slide this thing, go over to this house and have a barbecue, get drunk, and then surf at five in the morning to this. Day. Whatever we want to do, they just film it. Yeah. And Greg, the creator and the, the goat of the drive-thru, the reason why it all happens, is telling WSL, like, this is how we do it. And they're like, no, 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 no. We don't do it that way. We produce everything and we direct it. And we and we were like, oh, and no, we're, you guys don't understand. You guys bought this idea, this concept. And spent so and, much and Yeah, money. and you guys have the idea. You bought it. You bought the idea and you want to change it. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to be good. But So then how uh, did the thing... The distribute. How did distribution come together? Because it was on fuel for a bit, and then Stab got involved at yeah, some so point. We, how did that yeah, all work? We were, out? we're, you know, we didn't even break even, which is sad. But at the same time, when, I've never made money from the drive-through. <laughs> I've been really? on ten of them. Never made a dollar. Oh uh, well, I think Fuel paid the writers, me, Aki, and Andy Irons and stuff, uh, like five or ten grand one, because it was the it was the last one we did. Where Andy, that was, it was like, like a right before Andy passed. It was our last drive-through. We all got a little coin, just a little bit, basically paid for the trip. But this one, we didn't have time to get sponsors because we were just scrambling. We just wanted to get it out there and do it the best we can with shoestring budget. And, um, you know, we, we, we didn't get to pay the surfers, which we really, really, really want to pay Griff and Parker and Eric and everybody. But we're hoping that the next one we make, we have more time to get sponsorships. And what, like you were saying, Stab stepped up. Um, gave us a little bit of coin to pay off and we have a few sponsors like pedal and you know, we had a um, GoPro maybe we had GoPro and we had Seaborn cocktails and we had, you know, we had a few sponsors that got us to the finish, uh, finish line, but it was definitely really hard without stab and fuel and fuel got to release it first, but then they gave us the rights to it after that. So now this next one, we're going to go after a live stream. Or, I want YouTube. Well, that's what I want, but it's going to be all of our money up front. We're going to have to got create. It. But I like YouTube because the only people that come up to me like, dude, the new drive through is sick, are the people that say they saw it on YouTube. I'm like, oh, really? You saw it on YouTube? What about Stab? And they're like, oh, I never got that. But I Because the you know, YouTube's the short version. It's, it's not the, even the full episode. The first episode. episode's free. Okay. 
on on YouTube, and then every episode after gets like five or six minutes. Right. And every time I watch it, <laughs> that's where I watch it too. To be honest, because I don't have I don't have cable, I have YouTube. Every but time you don't have YouTube, stab premium drive through, I'm all sick, and then it ends after the first scene. I'm like, ah. Is it isn't it a different cut on YouTube, or is it just I, the first I think five it's minutes? just a short cut of it, like yeah, a six okay. minute cut. But um, YouTube is like all my friends overseas. I my know. grandma, well, like I everyone agree. watches you'll YouTube. Get, you'll get the most eyeballs on YouTube, but will you see the return on the investment? Not really. Exactly. Oh, we'll see. That's that's so, something that so I. So you got to let's figure out this model. Yeah, we got to figure out the model. It's got to be sell I, to like a streaming service. I'm assuming, right? That would probably that, be best. Yeah, that would like probably a Hulu be Hulu or something. Yeah, Netflix something or, like or that. Or Stab has also grown a lot with their premium model, and so maybe by Hopefully, next season, I'd be interested. They can fund something like. I'd this. be interested to see if Stab how many views they got off of what we did with them and see if they want to still do it for the next season. I think Greg said they're in for the next one as well. But for the same number or for a new number? Because if you can't well, make, it couldn't be the same number because it was, you it was make, less than our cocktail sponsor. Yeah, you know? There you go. So, so what about, I know Fuel was launching their, um, their app, basically subscription app. Mm -hmm. And so they were using this as an opportunity to like, Hey, let's get, happens, yeah, right? let's get users onto our platform. Here's a new series we have. Right. So well, did I'd they get, did I they get enough I've users? I've never talked to Fuel. I've okay. never talked to, okay. Greg Browning's in charge of all that. Got it, got it, got it. But he never comes and tells our group. We had a conference the other day about the new one. We're, we're trying to do Japan next, not to let the cat out of the bag. But, um, and he was saying that, uh, like, he didn't bring up the fact that we crushed it on this or crushed on that. It was just, let's do it. For all of us, it's put our head down and do it again. And we have, luckily, we have Blair Marlin and Greg Fernandez and a bunch of guys that can get us title sponsors and all that stuff. So we're working on that now. Okay, good. But we, we've created something that works. And for me and Donovan, the terrifying um, idea of us being old and shitty at surfing and, and, you know, being what we are, like an old walrus looking human being with this thing and stuff. Um, <laughs> we were all so scared of it and thinking, what are people going to think? Are they even going to like it? Are they going to think like we're, you know, this or that? And then we saw the dynamic with the younger kids and we realized, like, it works. It totally worked. Like, it still does. I, yeah. I would be the first one to be like, turn it off right now. This is embarrassing. But I was like, it's so good. And getting Dane, I mean, that was so cool. Yeah. Getting Dane just legitimized everything. Like, him being in the tracksuit in Santa Cruz and the local kids coming up to him, Dane, Dane. And, and he, they'd be like, let's drive through. And, you know, there's young kids. And he's like, it's the coolest thing going right now in surfing. And I look at Donovan and I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's hilarious. Because I'm, I'm, similar to Dane that I'm like, I love surfing, but it's, there's so much about it. I wish was different. And I loved the, you know, letting, letting like back when I was a kid, guys were fucking loose, man. Like Gerlach and all those guys were really, really characters and they were fun and they pushed the envelope of reality and like taking things so far that you're like, what? I mean, Robbie page. And these were crazy men. They were madmen. Right now that everyone's got their shit so tight that I feel like we're in a sport, you yeah, know, this is totally. a sport. I know Gabriel Medina is the best athlete in the world straight up. Yeah. I've never seen a competitive surfer that good ever. And I never will. Probably he's the goat is competitive surfing goat. Kelly, you got it, but yeah. you're not as good a contest server as Gabriel. And uh, so now we have this competitive sport, which I love to death, to be honest, I would like having both sides of it. We lost this side though of comedy and, just silliness and going surfing to get away from sports. That's what I did it for. That's why when I see guys with fizzle balls and they walk by the kids with their earphones with seven boards, their coach and their manager and their family and everyone. And you're like, we're kind of lost what surfing is with that aspect. But then 
when I watch it, that level, the progression, it's so exciting and I can't hate on it. It's so good. Uh, yeah, you can't, but I just wonder how much fun they're actually having. And yeah. I think Gabriel Medina's last year or two, that's really become a question, right. which was his parents were creating this robot right. who happened to be the best surfer in the world, but at what cost? You know, yeah. if you're not that's enjoying That's a really it. good point to what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. I know for a fact I had more fun on my 28 years as a pro surfer. I, I actually am guilty of of kind of like being <laughs> being a fraud in a sense that I got away with just being myself and having fun and creating clips, but then creating a, a kind of like a culture in my own self to people can follow and be like, you know, that's kind of where I want to be. I want to be not taking myself serious and I want to go surfing when I feel like it and I want to progress in a way with style and, you know, just... I had my own way of doing it and it worked for me. And I see these competitive guys. I, I, I just, it does seem torturous. Like when you see Julian, it looks like the life was taken out of him, dude. Totally. Like when that's one of my favorite and he's surfers. Such and he's such a good surfer. He's, I mean, how is he not world champ? It's crazy. So it's crazy. It's hard for me to so, see that. So I think your legacy can help. History will tell your legacy in the surf world will be, uh, the first legitimate pro surfing comedian. Oh, that so, would be a good one. <laughs> so Ragland Surf Report couldn't have existed, can't exist today without you having led the way. Sterling Spencer couldn't have existed well, without love, you leading the and way. And you know what's great about him is I I absolutely, that I, te I always text him side text like, dude, please don't stop. Just keep well, going. Well, he did for a bit. I know because I didn't know he had his, inst I didn't know anything about it really. I just always, I did one of his videos back in the day as a bouncer and I'm like, what is this for? You know, because yeah, it was yeah. before all the stuff. It was pinch myself. It was that his, you know what I'm talking That's about? That's what it used to be called. Okay. Yeah, so blog. I did it and I heard it was so funny. And I never watched it. I was, that was right when I was getting out of pro surfing. So I was like, whatever, everything. And then I found out he had his Instagram. And when I see him, he's so mellow, you know? Yeah. And I'm always just like, this is the funny guy. You know, like I've always thought that. I'm like, Sterling's funny. And then when I started, I, I followed him, I don't know, month, two months ago. And his like little belly and his whole thing. And I'm like, oh, thank you, God. I texted him and said, hey, please keep it going. There's nothing like you right now. I'm like. I wish there was more of Sterling Spencer. It's Spencer's. so good. It's so He's funny. come back stronger. Yeah. Oh, it's, you know what? I got to admit, his video with the back in the day, a rap video or something he made. Remember with the girl with the big butt? Oh, it was called Gold. The, it was like a 30-minute video. Genius, dude. Rob Machado was a big character. Oh, in okay. That. Well, I didn't see the whole movie, but I saw the. it was like a music part. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. Was so and Bob Saget was funny. in it. Yes. He was, huh? Yeah. I got to go back and rewatch that. The Saget that. bit is incredible. Wait a second. Because it's, it's through there. So today. Saget's his surfboard shaper. And through, How did he get that Saget? I don't know. There insane. is a story there. I forget what that was. But it's him going in to see a surfboard shaper. And through the conversation that he, he connects, Sterling connects the dots, that Bob Saget's his dad. No, I got to go home and watch this. It's so, I'll send it to you so afterwards. That's what I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, he's hilarious. But then, I, like you said, I didn't see anything for a long time. But uh, yeah, we need more it Sterling Spencer. It took a 10 year hiatus. Yeah. Um, the funny thing you're talking about is slowtide.co is back with us. And you know what's been insane to see over these years that we've been working with Slowtide is that the collaborations that they're doing now have gotten big time. They've got Wu Tang towels, Grateful Dead collaboration towels, they've got Keith Herring towels, robes, blankets. Um, they do still have these smaller surf world artist collaborations, but it's just been incredible to see how much slow tide has grown over the years. And it's honestly the result of the fact that they're making excellent quality products. 
I've said it before, but I'll continue to say it because it continues to be true. I'm still using the original beach towel and changing poncho that I got from Slow Tide years ago. It may honestly be three or four years ago at this point. And that towel and that poncho are both still plush, soft, fully saturated in color after countless washes and uses. The towels are oversized, which I love. The weaving makes for a luxurious texture. They have hanging loops so that you can hang them on a hook. They're made from sustainable materials. So just these small little details make them epic. And in addition to the towels, they make blankets, they make bath towels, they make bath robes. So treat yourself or gift them for Father's Day or any occasion. Slowtide.co is their website. Surf Splendor Podcast is the promo code. By the way, that is all one word. Surf Splendor Podcast. And you will save 20% off your entire purchase. So slowtide.co, promo code Surf Splendor Podcast enjoy in realwatersports.com for all of your surfboard and surfboard accessory needs we had john Pizel on the podcast last week and real water sports has a wild and deep inventory of Pizel boards um, i had a couple of people message me in this past week almost angry because they don't need another surfboard but now they want a Pizel after listening to that conversation And I can completely relate. I barely ride shortboards anymore, but I'm inclined to get a ghost just because they're so dang enticing. So realwatersports.com will feed your addiction. They have 167 Pizels currently available. That is, by the way, 10 fewer Pizels than last week, if anyone is keeping track. And uh, 48 of those boards are ghosts or mini ghosts. So you'll also get 15% off surfboard accessories with the purchase of a board, and that'll be automatically deducted in your shopping cart. And Real will ship it to you anywhere that you are in the world for one flat low fee. And it's also guaranteed to show up blemish-free in perfect condition. So realwatersports.com is the website. Enjoy it. Indulge. And uh, I'd just like to say thanks to them for being such a great partner. realwatersports.com Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. 
and you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's go back a little bit um, between leaving, taking that last paycheck until now, like kind of getting re-involved in surfing through the drive-thru and everything else. Um, do you do you wish you would have parlayed, do you wish you would have not taken that time off? Do you wish you would have parlayed that pro surf thing into kind of what you're doing now without the break in between? No. And you know, it's, it's so easily told my story. I love it now. My story before was something I'd, I wasn't proud of as crazy as that sounds like the momentum generation being a pro surfer for 28 years, people always coming up, dude, my favorite part was the good times or, you know, all those things always made me feel good. It always made me feel good. I'd be like, cool. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> but I never felt any kind of happiness that I got from owning a restaurant. And what I mean by that is I was living in Bali um, and I was just about to start a beer company with Rizal and I was, had my own place there. And it was like, I had, I was selling my house in Lucadia and I was going to have a chunk of money. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to build this life in Bali. Right. My mom and my uncle were owners of breakers in Hollyiva and my mom's everything in my life to me. And my uncle got in an accident, crashed his car, was in a coma. And there was a really good chance he wasn't going to make it. So my mom and I talked and I said, you know what? I'll come home and, and figure this out with you. Got home and found out she was a half a million dollars in debt and that she was going to lose the restaurant, be based, not homeless, but no money out on the, and really far in debt. No, no credit, nothing. So I sold my house and my uncle ended up passing away. So for six months, we didn't have a liquor license because it was under his name. I had to get all that stuff taken care of and I didn't know how to work. And, and this is the crazy part for people out there that can only comprehend how crazy this is but i never had a job i never had a job 14 years old gotch is like hey guess what you're traveling and from 14 to 38 never worked a day in my life right and i mean you you a lot of people will be like you've never even worked but the, i've you know had a production company and i had to wake up every morning and try to be the best surfer in the world and travel all year around and do all those things it's work but it's not work yeah you know it's a different different work it's harder than work that's what's what people don't realize when people are like yeah but you never went to work at 6 a.m and then work till five i loved that part of it because i was like there's no one judging me there's there's no life-threatening thing all day long it's it's just work so i went i learned how to wash dishes i learned how to cook on the line i learned how to bartend i learned how to serve i learned how to manage i learned how to inventory and weighing food and designing menus and for four and a half years i've fired people and got almost in fist fights with employees hawaii dude imagine owning a restaurant in hawaii well, we were talking about surfers that would walk in and be like dude i need a job can i have money right now and i'd be like what and right. then they would leave that night and i'd never see him again it was right. just incredibly difficult but i did it and i kept the name nostalgia and everything and i went from a really gross karaoke bar to it's a really cool family restaurant which were 
absolutely crushing it now. My mom's taken care of. Everything is running. It's pain for my life even right now. Amazing. Like I have no income coming from anywhere else but this restaurant right now. So it's it's the biggest accomplishment I ever had. And it made me handle that five years of not being in surfing. It, it actually made it better. Because now I have knowledge. I understand how to manage people. I know how to manage myself. I know how to deal with finances. I didn't even know how to, I had an accountant that did everything. Now I actually write checks and do payroll and I learn how to work, right? Wow. So when I did all that, now it's like, oh my God, everything is easy. Like everything, like people are like, what are you gonna do now? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I can start shaping again. I can, now I have a podcast and I'm sure I could probably make money eventually from these two little ventures being stand up and stuff. But more than anything, I, I can do anything. So now I wanna start a cocktail company called breakers i might even open a re restaurant in san diego called breakers south and that is the best thing that could have happened at the end of my career because a lot of my friends no names that need to be said but that were pro surfers on my level would go into gnarly depression try to kill themselves i mean it's it's a really dark place and i luckily have such good family and good friends and lucky i have a good head on my shoulder and i didn't mind working and I, I i love working it's so much easier than waking up and having people film you and go like rip and if you don't rip you're just sitting in your own shit all day like i'm not good i'm horrible i'm never gonna be you know like that yeah the feeling of being a pro server is terrifying yeah you're like next week i could be dropped next week this guy's gonna tell me i suck and they're gonna show a bad wave of me so right. yeah it was a crazy transition but the best one i could have had well good job for stepping up to the plate and actually yeah it's uh, fun and i'm it. proud of my restaurant like my friends all come in and I have nostalgia all over the walls of like the Eddie Cal winning board. And it represents my whole family of friends and surfers. And it just worked out perfect for me. Amazing. So and now I can live um, back here. I just got a place here. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I live in San, downtown San Diego. Holy cow. <laughs> Which is cool, man. I, I honestly make my house look like Ron Burgundy's house. And I live down there. And I'm, I'm I, every day I think I'm Ron Burgundy. So if you guys see me on the street, call me Ron and I'll be drinking milk. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of depression and kind of that transition in momentum generation you do open up about struggling with addiction oh heck yeah um still that's the most it, it, i haven't talked about it on any podcast i'm still struggling with drugs and alcohol alcohol is, is the main one for me but it's so and now they they've legalized weed uh, <laughs> uh it, that's the craziest thing about it. i moved five years ago when i moved i had to buy weed from like random surfer dudes and I'd have to sit in their house for hours smoking bong grips. Like, can I just buy the weed? Right, and then right. they would be like, all right, are you leaving? I'm like, oh. but, uh, yeah. Hey, are you wrong? Burgundy? <laughs> can I get a surfboard? I want food. You know? And, uh, it's, it's the, but the, with the drugs and alcohol and stuff, when you're in it for so long, it is, it's, uh, it's such a, it's such a motherfucker that it's a daily thing. Most addicts out there that can relate, it's a daily struggle that every single day I have to fight to not drink. Every day I have to fight to not do coke or weed or everything. And the thing is, is I use weed now as a medicinal and because luckily the, the people uh, that judge you the most are the ones that legalized it. So I'm, I'm happy to say that I've got no better grip on it, but there is no way in hell I'm in control of my life. And that's why being honest is the only way out of it. And I'm so brutally honest that it keeps the narrative light instead of dark. Yeah. If that makes sense. And 
Like I could always go to rehab and I can always do the things that I've done multiple times in my life. But now I try to do it with honesty with my partner or honesty with my friends and family. Cause I mean, there's friends like Slater and stuff that'll come get right in my face. We're me and Kelly are supposed to do a Bolga, Bolga, a Bolga. I don't know what that is. It's ayahuasca's big brother for okay. about addiction. Okay. It's really gnarly. And you, you um, go through a lot of str- uh, pain and struggle and it, but it's very, very good for uh, addiction. And Kelly is one of my biggest components of trying to help. When I went to rehab, he was right by my side for 30 days, as I say in that documentary. And uh, it's just one of those things like it'll never be an easy thing for me to do, but it is something that it's a daily thing and I'm way better. So <laughs> it sounds crazy, but just five years ago to today, I'm in a way better place. But I'm still struggling. I struggle every day. So let me ask you, um, a lot of people do use, let's say, drugs and alcohol just recreation or, quote, recreationally daily. When do you identify it as addiction and not serving you? Because um, I think a lot of people right now are listening and they don't think they're addicted. Yeah. And the people around them are maybe like, well, you miss work today or you bro- your girlfriend no. broke up with you yeah. because of that. And so, no, no, totally. So how do you define it as serving you versus now? It's, oh man, that's such a good question because every addict wants to make sense Downplay of what it. they're doing. Yeah. Everyone. I, in the worst of the worst, are the ones that drink coffee and have their have their vices and they think that your vice is different, right? And that's that's the one thing as an addict, you always get kind of frustrated because you're always the bad one because your vice is uh, hated on by the public, if you will. And right, that sounds right, crazy, right. but we're legally allowed to drink alcohol, but if you do too much of it, you're a fucking weirdo. Uh, that's heartbreaking as an addict because you're like, I don't get it. You guys are telling me it's okay, but it's not okay. And you, So you're doing that. At the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is what do you want? Like, what do I want out of my life? So when I miss an appointment, like you said, or I broke up with a girlfriend and it might've had something to do with addiction or those, it was like, to be honest, it mostly is. It mm. usually is. But with that being said, if I was completely 100% sober, I'm still going to fight with my girlfriend. I'm still going to break up. I'm still going to do certain things that I do, but it never helps to be an addict. It always makes things confusing. But I think at the end of the day, it's what you want. I've accomplished all my goals and I always do everything really well by being a functioning alcoholic. Like I'm a functioning alcoholic and addict on a level where I only go so far because I know I can still get things done, but I'm still using it as what you said earlier. Um, it's treating me or uh, serving, it. serving me. And yeah. it serves me because I'm outgoing. I'm at parties. It gets me out and socializes. You know, a lot of what I do when it comes to substance is socializing. Like if I'm just by myself, I'm not really going hard in the paint. I usually go hard in the paint when I'm nervous or if I'm uh, around a lot of people. I usually like, that's when I'll, like my, I have crazy energy. And as you, if you know me, you know, if I'm not stoned or if I'm not drinking or all this stuff, I'm still really fucking gnarly. And I use a couple things and I need to use more meditative things and stuff that is way healthier. Exercise is the thing. That's why I told you earlier, I run. The only thing that's ever helped me is running. If I wake up, put my earphones in and run for four, you know, four or five miles, the day is so much better. My day has so much more clarity and understanding. And I to, for people out there struggling with um, addiction, if you just wake up and run until you're so exhausted that all you want is an Asahi smoothie, because the thing is about addiction is you do it when you don't feel good 
because you want to feel good. So like if you wake up and you're hungover, the first thing you're going to do is go for a drink because you feel shitty. But if you wake up and you run and you're like, and your heart's racing and your brain's got oxygen and you're like, whoo, the last thing you want to do is drink. You're just like, why would I drink? I just fucking worked out. So my biggest thing, obviously, is talking with therapists and going to AA helps. Going and talking, and that's when I told you being honest helps, is you have to talk about it. You have to you have to relay to everyone that cares about you that you, you do understand where you're at. Like, I do know I drank too much last night. I like to make jokes about it because I'm just a human being. And when you consider yourself not perfect... You can be honest, but when you think you're not doing anything wrong and you're in denial, nothing happens positive from that point. It always goes negative because you have these expectations that aren't real. The only thing real is waking up and being honest and going, the only way I'm going to get out of this fucking nightmare is to run. So that's kind of like the thing I've learned is exercise and being honest. Those are the two things I took away from getting better. Um, but I'm not perfect. I'm <laughs> really not. I'm you, fucked up. You talked about... Uh, being able to drink to a certain point, but still get things done. Mm -hmm. You stopped surfing for five years. How much was that related to Oh God, I, to be honest, probably 95%. Yeah. I mean, Do you the thing is, is, I don't regret it because I had 28 years of surfing. But did you miss it? Do you think your life would be better if you had surfed those five years? I would say yes. I think no matter what, um, to be completely honest, Life is always better if you're surfing. That's how I feel. And yeah. and that's that's always going to be the case. But when you've done it for so long, I really wanted to tap in. Like when I did the Perry Farrell one the other day, he told me it was so cool. It's so cool when you hang out with people that respect and when they say stuff, it means something. And it's going to be with me for the rest of my life. Because I always thought, and my all these friends would be like, dude, don't you want to be world champion? And I go, not really. I go, I, I never really saw myself as a world champion. I, I see myself as somebody that's funny and has his, has such a big heart that everyone goes, dude, I love that guy. I love that guy. And when I said that to Perry, I said, dude, you're a rock star. And he goes, no, I'm not. He goes, I'm, I want people to remember me as a surfer and a good person. And I went, I went, you couldn't have said it better because that's what I always wanted. I didn't want to be Benji Weatherly pro surfer. I want to be Benji Weatherly, the good human being. The person that people are like, dude, I want him to be at my wedding when he's 45 years old. I want him to be be my my daughter's goddaughter. Like when Kalani asked me to be his godfather, I was like, <laughs> like that's what meant more than any stupid surfing accomplishment. So when Perry Farrell said that, I was like, oh my God, here's a guy that could have been out of his mind, still rock starred out, but he's so grounded. He's 63, he surfs, he's healthy, he's happy. And he has... The he has the real root of what makes him happy, and that's not being a rock star. It's being a good person. Mm. So at the end of it, that's all I, I get out of my surf career is that I'm lucky enough to have all these people that teach me rad shit like that. And that's that's like Slater in a nutshell. The guy's so disciplined that he makes me feel like I'm an alien. Right. You know, everyone's like, he's an alien. But I'm like, no, I'm the alien, dude. Yeah. That guy doesn't even do anything except levitate and eat almonds <laughs> that aren't salted. Like, what the F? So, um. Back so in that film, you told the story about um, Jeannie Chesser riding Todd's board at restaurants. Is that a true story? <laughs> Imagine if it wasn't. The cool I mean, part. The cool part about my life. It seems it's, it's so surreal, but I have all of it documented, right? So that's why, like, all my stories and shit seem surreal, but they're all documented and amazing. And that one is so close to my heart 
that seeing it in the big screen and all that stuff is mind boggling because that really happened in my life. And the cool thing is, is Jeannie eventually is going to be on my podcast. Like, why wouldn't she be? I just, I just thought of it this second, but why wouldn't she be? And she will give that story out of her own mouth. And she's Todd Chesser, basically. She just as gangster as him. And she'll tell it in a different way because I'm a good storyteller. She's an honest storyteller. And it all happened the way I said, but I said it in a way. She's going to say it like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't wait to hear what she says, but yeah, it happened that way. And it's just one of those moments that I still can't explain it. And it was special because Tavarua Cloudbreak, especially was Chester's. That was his spot. Like when we were kids and Dorian and uh, Brock Little got to go, they got 12 foot uh, cloud break. And it was before anyone got it that big. And Todd would tell me the stories. I, he was my last roommate, you know, and he would tell me those stories. I'd be like, Oh my God, 12 foot Tavaru. Oh my God. So right when he passed away, I, I wasn't close with Jeannie because she had just worked at surf contest. I was an amateur. I was only 20 when this happened. And uh, I just remember telling my mom, I remember it like it was yesterday. I only had $800 in the bank. I remember that because I made the quarterfinals at the PSA and at Seaside. And I had 800 bucks. And I told my mom, I, I need to borrow $400 and I'm going to take Jeannie Chester to Tavarua. And she goes, a woman? And I go, yeah. And she goes, you can't go to Tavarua with a girl. And I go, but she's 50-something year mom. I, it's my best, you know, she kind of went like, oh, okay, okay. I, I, I don't know why I'm tripping, but yeah, you're really going to do that? I'm like, yeah. And it happened in a way, because my mom is the person she is, that I didn't realize what I was doing. I, at the time, I was going on a dragon surf trip to Tavarua, and then all of a sudden, my best friend passes away, and I'm like, I'll still go on the trip, but I have to bring Jeannie. And the, all, of course, everyone was like, please bring her. But it was the hardest week of my life. She just had lost her son, and then she lost her husband. I don't know if you know the whole story, but Todd's dad died in Florida when he was three, and in a car crash, and Todd was in the car in a car seat. And so she lost her husband and her son and she's sitting in my, it was when Tabaru had just had the little huts with the water spout on the back. And she just had a booklet of all the photos of her husband and, and Todd. And every night she didn't sleep for, oh man, five days or six days. And, and she, she went through the photos every day crying and asking me at 20 years old, why, 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 why? And I remember thinking, how the fuck can I know that? And I, the one thing I knew at that moment was we'll never know the answer. And then the next day was when we were at breakfast and we fucking went out and we were sitting there and she, at this point she's weak. It's like day four or five and she hasn't really eaten or anything. And we're sitting at breakfast. And you know, if you've been to Tavaru, you understand that you're just looking at the most perfect laugh in the world, but it's flat. And, um, when it, we went out, it was a one footer that went through and we're like, let's just go out. The tide was high. We're like, let's just go out and try to catch a couple. And we went out, and I remember she had her hat on, you know, that sun hat, because she had really gnarly skin. And we're just rash guard up, we're sitting out there, and then, like, you know the whole story, the waves started pumping. When we came in that night, she slept, man. She slept pretty unbelievably well, like, for her. It was like, I, I remember sleeping through the night and waking up, and she was still lying there, and I was like, fuck. And it was just one of those moments at 20 years old, I was like, I don't know why this is happening, but I do know that we're doing the right thing. We're honoring your son, and... You're right in his board and the surf gods obviously love him. And he was a part of us for that day. And since then she's gone back a bunch of times. And, but that moment in time will never change because it's already then it's done. And I have, I have that moment in my heart forever. It's great. Does she still have that board? Oh yeah. She's got all Todd's board. She never got rid of any of it. She keeps getting more. In fact, I found one on the East coast that I'm going to pick up this summer. What? 
Yeah, they keep coming back to us, man. This one is one of his last boards, and this guy found it in Block Island. You know that place, Block yeah. Island? Yeah, yeah, And they found it two years ago, and they keep texting me, dude, we got this thing. We want to give it to Jeannie. So, and I looked at it and looked at the stringer and then sent it to her, and she goes, that's really one of his, because she airbrushed them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, that was one of the last ones I airbrushed, and so we're going to get that one to her. Another one came in. Slater got here in San Clemente. It was, uh, I put it on my Instagram. It was like a local, mo it was something, but it was Todd's when he was really young. Huh. So we're trying to get them all back, man. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, that so that story was mind-blowing. I did not I thought it could have been partially made up. There's a couple other stories no, in that film that are kind of made up. It doesn't up. even it doesn't even seem real. No, it, it doesn't. It, that, that story and that's why I I'm stoked you brought it up cuz I need Jeannie to back my story up. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what's so great. I think she says a get couple comments. She says like, "Yeah, it was so sweet that he took me to Taboo and all that stuff." But I definitely need to have her back my story up so it doesn't sound so bad. Or just up. to hear her perspective side inside yeah. of it and all that. Can you imagine going to Tavaro for twelve hundred bucks? Oh my god, dude! <laughs> right? And that was we got the discount. You got to understand, like the guy Rick was the guy there, and he goes, he let her come back every year for like five, six hundred bucks. But yeah, you're right. I remember it being eight hundred or twelve hundred. That's insane. <laughs> now it's that a day. Yeah. Um, totally random was. Blink 182's Mutt written about you. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I got to do Tom DeLong's podcast coming up here sooner and later because I think I did a podcast the other day or something. Oh, the fucking, the stand up dude said he introduced me. Like, There's a Blink 182 uh, song written about this guy or something. They kind of, That's always been around me my whole life since he wrote it. I was 20. I lived with Tom DeLong in Pacific Beach and uh, the movie, the show, it was the show and his Dude Ranch album was being recorded in Rancho Santa Fe. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell them where it was being recorded, but there's like this big mouth studio that I would go to and watch them record. And Taylor Steele was the guy. You know, I mean, at that point, Dude Ranch was not even out yet, and they weren't big time yet. They got MCA, gave them a hundred grand to buy a van and record their album. So they had no money. All the money was going into this album. And they weren't big time yet. So Taylor Steele, I go, I'm, I'm his roommate. And I said, hey, Tom, could you write a song in the next day or so and get it to Taylor recorded so I can put it in my part? And it was such a moment where he was like, this is my opportunity. You know, like oh that's where gosh. we were in our careers where he was like, yes, yes. And I'm eating dinner in our little fucking two bedroom apartment as he's writing the song. He wrote the song in probably two or three hours, that Mutt song. And it's so funny because he's done tons of art. Like I've been to about 20 concerts where they bring me up on stage and like, this song's about him. He's wants to get laid tonight, ladies. And like, they, <laughs> it's just always like this super funny thing. Uh, K-Rock did this interview when I was like 22, when they just blew up and they're like, well, this is about our friend that's fucking nuts. Ah, and then they played it. And all my friends in LA are like, dude, they're just playing mutt. Um, but the whole thing was right when it came out in my surf part, six months later, they're in American Pie. And that's, and he goes, hey, they're using that fucking song in American Pie. And I didn't know what American Pie was. He didn't even know what American Pie was. He's like, this new movie. And it came out, and it's them. And it's the scene of all scenes of the yeah. movie that when we were kids, that was the scene of all scenes. And it's... And he's yeah. running in his underwear and shit. Yeah, he's running across the front yeah. yard trying to pull and dude, his imagine pants. being... 22 I would say I was 22 at that point 23 and having your best friend that you live with that just made it and your songs on the biggest American Pie movie of my generation 
And I was just like, this is so surreal. It's yeah, so it's surreal. Crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. That was one of the coolest things ever for sure. And that, it's cool because not a lot of people know my nickname's Mutt. So they had they didn't understand what the whole meaning was behind it. But the song has nothing to do with me. And that's what he always says in interviews. He, that's why I can't wait to do my podcast with him. It's all, he has two too tight of pants in his seat by or something bicycle seat he took the seat off his own bike because the way that it felt oh, <laughs> i love that you know it that's exactly what he says and it's that's actually true <laughs> but uh the but the lyrics he's like everyone's like is it about him and it's like he's like have you listened to it yeah it's about just an asshole which is great that's what makes it even better it's like take your seat off and it's because he likes the way it feels like yeah. fuck you thanks uh, tom it's epic. And by the way, he's he did Rogan at some point talking about... I just listened to Rogan this morning, The Black Keys on the way up here. Did you oh, see that really? one? This no, is brand new and came out yesterday. It's so fucking good. That's my favorite band in they're the world, amazing. pretty much. And they're talking about... He, uh, the drummer is talking about meeting Tom DeLonge. He comes backstage and he's like, yeah, Tom wanted to meet me and I want to meet him. And he starts going on about these aliens and then fucking Joe... He starts kind of going off on him. Well, you know, he's a little bit out there, and like I don't know. If, but I'm like, dude, the, it's real. Like, is it? I, well, he's. Did you see the thing yesterday? He, the Congress mm. is going into. Oh yeah, yeah. To, to to basically confirm what he's doing is legit. It's a really big milestone for somebody that has been basically thrown under the bus for what was that? Sixteen years it's been. So do you keep in contact with him? Oh, oh yeah, all the time. Okay. 2006, I think, is when he quit Blink. It's something like that because that's okay. the first year that he saw the video. Yeah, yeah. It's right when he saw the video. He's like, I'm done with Blink. And but he had all these personal issues and stuff. But think about that. For that long, he kept it to himself. He's building this company and going after these UFOs. And now the Congress is meeting tomorrow, it's today or tomorrow about his company. It's like what? I know it's crazy. That's so crazy. Well, the reason I think that people write him off is because his delivery does sound a little loud. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I, I I did turn it off, to be honest. I love you, Tom, more than peanut butter and jelly. But yeah, when he was talking, it was like chalkboard screens. And it didn't come off right. I want to believe in aliens. I and know. like there's, he's had, Rogan's had other guys on that I'm like, okay, I'm kind of into this and I want right. to find out You should have come on with but, one of those guys maybe. But then with Tom, it's like, he just sounds like it's it's out there. But yeah, I couldn't agree more. And he's, I love him to death, but it didn't come off like believable. But obviously it is in the sense that he had all the experts come in and go confirm, confirm, confirm. Right. But uh, yeah, what a what an incredible side side project that he was like. Yeah, I'm the biggest punk band in the world right now, but eh, I'm just gonna go check these aliens out. <laughs> like what? That's pretty cool. Um, tell me about shaping boards. Oh man, it's my it was my favorite thing. So it when did you get into going. it? And I got into oh, dude. I mean, honestly. Uh, the very first Taylor Steele movies, I was 14 when I started shaping. No underneath the way. pipe house. Underneath the pipe house. You know that Bruce Irons room? Did you ever go to the Volcom house? No. It was all really gnarly. No. That room that Bruce lived underneath was my shaping room that me and Conan Hayes built. And when I was 14, I shaped Chester. I got, Ross had a center spread on one of them. Chester got a rusty out in a big barrel. I'd shaped all my friends' boards, but I'd do it. With, back then, we had a planer, but that's it. And then I, I used a hand planer for 90% of it because I was so scared of the skill saws. And I would do the rocker, and then I would do the outline, and then I would use a hand saw the fucking rest of the time. That's We're talking crazy. six hours for one board. And pouring sweat, itchy as hell, one little mask, and the summer's on the North Shore. It was crazy. But then I'm up to 126 or 100, something like that, my amount of boards I've done. 
And I hate doing them really for people nowadays, but I love doing them for myself because I have a Mick Fanning, Kelly, all these boards that I've created a uh, file. So now whenever I want a board, I just put the leaders in, boom, Oceanside cuts it out for me and I finish it in an hour and it's gotcha. perfect. And they're perfect because I know exactly, like when you shape, you shape? No. When you shape, you know what you want. Like when you surf, excuse me, when you surf, you know the rails on your favorite board. You're like, God, this is what I want. Well, I was always one that wanted to do my own rails because I knew what I liked. I like a tucked, I like JS rails where it's like soft, but then it's kind of boxy at the bottom. It has a really hard edge and a concave. So I couldn't get that from other people. Al Merrick always nailed it. But now yeah, the shaping part about it was always, I've shaped Tom aboard, actually. I've shaped all the kinds of guys. We're going to do so Perry Farrell one. Did you have a logo? Uh, I did. Taylor like, still made it. Like the, <laughs> the center spread of Ross. Uh-huh. Uh, was there a oh, logo still, on He that? was right for Blue Hawaii back then. All okay, those guys. Okay. Rusty had a, on Chester's. Okay. But uh, Taylor still made me. Taylor still is a really like hilarious cartoon artist. I don't know if you know that. I didn't know have you ever seen Factory Seconds? Yeah. Remember the cover with yeah. all of us yeah, as yeah, cartoons? Yeah, yeah. That's Taylor Steele. No way. He's a f- unbelievable cart. I, I wish he would do a children's book. I might have to talk to him about that. Um, but he made um, it's a little a little like funny like Snoopy kind of dog. And I'm like squeezing sunblock and it's squirting out like this. And I'm holding the board and it would go between the stringers. God, I haven't hilarious. seen that logo in so long. But yeah, he made a little mutley. I think it said mutley crew. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I've never so, seen that. Yeah, I should actually I should post that on Instagram. Yeah, I would love to bring see in all that. my nostalgia. So you're currently just building boards, one-offs? Oh, man, you... I haven't built a board over a year. I was doing a lot in Bali. So I do. I had a shaping room there, and i do it. But here, I did Univ surfboards for a long time, and I would make, like, Ben Ipot stingers, and we were doing a bunch of funky stuff. And then Machado just ruined me with this whole, like, totally. I'm better than you thing. Machado so. business. So, so <laughs> who is laminating? Um, always, like, diamond glassing okay. and all the guys down in San Diego. That's the epicenter for surfboard whatever manufacturing so Got oceanside it. was the guys that always did my stuff did you used to laminate at one point you know i've never glassed a surfboard i can i know how it works and everything and i good but i never glassed a surfboard which kind of it's kind of weak sauce if you say you've made surfboards you should know how to make the whole thing i do know how to make them like from start to scratch but i always like having us four four ounce with a four ounce deck and make it light as possible and i know they we could do it way better yeah but no i'm not a glasser and that shit's sticky and gross and smelly and you can have that you need shit. the proper space for it and all that yeah. stuff and setting so. up your fins is the most critical part totally and it's so freaking hard to get them perfect with the tape and i don't know um so what's your kind of a couple closing questions what's your current relationship like with surfing um you know my favorite part about surfing nowadays is taking people surfing i i thought about it the other day everyone's like how how many times have you surfed in last year and i was like three times and they're like where and i i go well i took Kurt Hammett surfing on a longboard in Waikiki. I took, and it's always like a, not only just famous people, but just friends that have never done it. And then I'm always laughing because I'm, I'm not surfing and I'll surf to show off. That sounds corny, but I'm honest. Uh, and if I'm with someone that's famous or someone that I look up to or someone that I really, really just have a good relationship, friend, friendship with, I like to go out, get an air or a snap and kind of show off and then sh- take them surfing because I promise you, like, just like golf nowadays, I like showing people how to golf more than do it. Really? I, it's, I'm like, I've had this teacher thing, like Ross Williams being a coach. Yeah. was one of the funniest things ever because he was really not that competitive. Ross was never right. really, and he wasn't even that good in contest. He was one of the best surfers to ever live, but he never really was that good of a competitor. 
So for him to be a coach, laugh, it's I think even Dorian's like, and then we first started doing it, like Ross is a coach? And he became so good at it. And it's because I think when you get to our age, and he's even like three or four years older than me, you have all this knowledge and you can go keep doing it for yourself, but it's so much more rewarding to see someone else use that knowledge. And now I realize that's why I get so off on what teaching someone that just learned how to swing and go, no, 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 let's, you know, think of it this way, think of it this way. And then watching him do it, I'm like, yes. And then it, it excites me and surfing, same thing, man. Like when I go surfing by myself, I'm like, what do I do? Another error? Like, what do I do? A big roundhouse and like, woo, like it's more or less uh, appealing to me to see somebody get up and then all of a sudden make their first turn. I'm like, exactly. Keep the knee in like, Oh, back sick, keep your chin up. Don't look down. Fucking, you know? So I, I'm I, the most, I'm the least competitive guy of our crew and I'm starting to want to be a coach. It seems weird, right? See, it is weird. So I, um, I'm surprised to hear you say all of this. <laughs> it's quite and weird. I, I'm even surprised. I've surfed less and less the older I get because I have adult obligations in life, you know, yeah. but all the while I'm missing surfing and lying to myself saying that I'm going to go tomorrow and all that kind of stuff. And I haven't accepted what it, I feel like you're saying you've accepted, yeah. which is just not surfing anymore. Right. I, in my head, I'm still going to surf more next week than I surfed this week. Right. No, I, it's that honesty of excuses for everything, man. I have ex- but, that, that day of me wanting to do stand up, and I had 20 excuses. Okay. I 20. I have those for surfing. So you too. still do want to surf? Oh, I and I still do every once in a while. My girlfriend's been getting me in the water randomly. The last two surfs I've had is because she's like, please, let's surf. I'm like, all right. Yeah. But the thing is, is like in anything in life that's challenging, you're always, the older you get, the more you make excuses. So, Well, the ma- easiest excuse is when you've surfed good waves for a long time, yeah. most of your life, yeah. it's hard to go surf around here. Yeah, that's you know? a very good point. And so I find myself lacking motivation just because the waves suck. But I also find myself enjoying the process, uh, right? Yeah, that's it. You know, like it's early, the water's cold. That feels good. I want to paddle. That exercise feels good. I'm not going to do an air. Don't care about that anymore. If I could just get a wave or two, go down the line. It's like the first day of the drive-thru. I told you I didn't surf for years before that session. And I'm the one that knew what we needed. And I'm like, I know it's flat. I know it's winning. <laughs> we pull up to Dane right then. And he goes, I walk up to him. I'm like, hey, so where do we go out? And he goes, you guys are going out? <laughs> he, he said it. And it was still one of my favorites. We didn't film it. But he goes, well, you guys are going to go out? And I was like, yeah, we have to every day. And I was the guy, if you watch the drive through saying, hey, the tide's going to push you guys. There's going to be a perfect little left right here. We're going to have the best little session. It looks like shit right now, but we'll make the most of it. And that's how I've been in my life, but I'm not like that anymore. But I knew that that's what we needed. Yeah. And eventually it got this big Parker ripping and that whole thing came together. And it was like, usually I, if it was a normal day, I would have looked at it and went like, well, obviously we're not serving. Like, right. I'm right. like, Dane, I'm like, well, there's course lights on ice. Like exactly. what are we doing here? So but you got, got that was crew. one of my favorite parts of the drive. That's through. hilarious. It was like having my step step brothers. I was right. like, I'd look at him and be like, yeah, Exactly. And then like that, and then we'd have In-N-Out Burger, and he's like, again? I'm like, again. <laughs> it was fucked up. We had In-N-Out three days in a row. Dane was like, is this really how you guys eat every time? I'm like, no, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Um, whose boards are you riding? 
When I've been with Al Merrick forever. So you're still riding Merrick? Well, I still get them every, like they gave me their last board because, you know, there's like 3,000 behind stock or whatever, you know, like I'm sure these guys Inventory, are. yeah. Inventory. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they found one board. They're like, I promise you. And it was luckily because I'm so big. It was 38 liters or something. They're like, we have one thirty-eight. I'm like, perfect. And it was a brown tail and it saved me for the, like the only board that flew <laughs> floated me. But um, since then I've been getting, you know, I get boards from, I was going to get an album board cause I wrote at the U S open and now it's like, I want to ride thickest, fattest boards and just have fun. And I've been doing like dark arts has been giving me boards. Uh, Chewy Reina at firewire has been giving me boards. Well, now there's just, you know, there's so many boards to choose from. So yeah. it's a different world. Everything's different. And yeah. you know, like the fact that I have to be narcissistic in uh, being uh, a person now with my own Instagram and be like, look at, look at this. And you know, you like, can, you can avoid it. Dude, Sonny Garcia's and the people that I grew up idolizing, if they had to do their own social media, it would have been a middle finger. Like Todd Chester, if he had to do Instagram, it would be his balls on Monday. Tuesday would be the shaft and then the head. And then like Friday would be the, him taking a dump. It would have been like, but when you go to the grid page, <laughs> it all comes together into exactly. one picture. You swipe, you're all bump, bump. That is his dick. Um, but yeah, well, I just think our generation, you have to be a little you, bit. You into do yourself. and you don't, you can do it your own way. Like John, John doesn't, he posts once every two months. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and like it's him he's, sailing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With money exactly. Out the back like this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love John. John is, He's old school when it comes to uh, how he portrays himself. Like he's so humble that if you don't like John John, you actually have to look in the mirror and go, "Who the fuck am I?" Totally. Like yeah, he's on un he's undeniable. That's why I love him. But then there's the guys that are like Gabriel that are a little bit more in your face and a little bit more glammy and stuff, but undeniable as well. Like well, he has, he's he's undeniable, and he has man. eight times the Instagram followers because of it. Oh, really? Because he's yeah, because he face. is outgoing. But with John, that stuff. John's like, I don't need eight million. <laughs> One will do. One yeah, million will yeah, do. Totally. You know what I mean? And uh, that one million are all like surf hardcore surf yeah. fans. You know, the people that don't follow too many people. Um, final question for you is: Are you a believer in crystals now? Oh, dude, I'm telling you right are, now. If, they, I mean, if I start making money, like she said, there's this yellow green one that kind of I picked out. She's like, oh, and she goes, are you really into money? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I I don't even know if I have any. And she's like, this one right here is telling me something good about your future adventures or never or whatever. And I was just like, don't jinx it. So <laughs> don't I, jinx it with these crystals. Well, you did a good job of explaining how much you respected her and believed that she believed what she believed. Uh -huh. But did you walk away from that conversation wanting to go buy crystals? Well, and she's put them making by your me bed? a necklace with the stone that's that represents me and all this other stuff. So I will keep you informed. Okay. okay. But I'll tell you right now, I tried New Balance. Remember the, uh, no, it, it wasn't New Balance. What was those things called? I was sponsored. Power, by. Power Balance. Power Balance, right? Yeah. And I, I could swear I made more errors when I wore those things. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, uh. but I did kind of, right? I well, mean, I what I didn't understand, what I did not understand about that is, okay, it's Power Balance. You put it on a wrist. I'm like, just one wrist? I know, if it's I thought, balanced, shouldn't I, you have it on both we wrists? Had them as chokers, so we Somewhere cool in the too. middle, at least. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how is that balancing you by putting it on no, one that, And they were at, every, we had parties in Hollywood with, like, Paris Hilton. I was like, power balance, baby. And then they're like, it doesn't work. Like, oops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. no, I, I do believe um, in a lot of different energies and stuff. I mean, that, there's been times, I know this sounds crazy. Well, it doesn't even matter if it sounds crazy because it's honest. I was in uh, Java at Rizal's Pachitan home and there's a crystal mountain that I found out later. 
And when I, and this happened, <laughs> there's no way around it. I smoke a lot of weed. This really happened. I was in a dark room sleeping and I had to go pee. So I tried to get up and I couldn't get up and I was awake. I mean, th this is so scary. I couldn't get out of my bed. Everything in my body was telling me, let's go pee. And I couldn't. And then I started panicking and all I could move was my chin. I was like, and I, my body wouldn't get up and I was fucking losing it. And it happened for like five minutes. And I was like, I finally just kind of sat there and let it go. And I was like, oh. and then all of a sudden I got up and I was like, what? It something held me down. And then later Rizal goes, oh, he's like, the, he goes, that's totally normal. And I go, no, it isn't. What are you talking about? He goes, this mountain right here is full of crystals. And he goes, there's this thing that around this mountain and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, all right. I'll not talk about that anymore. So I tried to get that out of my life, but that really happened. And I talked to a bunch of other people in Indonesia and they're like, oh, it's that's happened to me too. Or I can't get out of bed. And I'm like, what? So either I'm lazy, I was sleeping, I was too stoned, I don't know. But there is something more to the crystals and the energy of this earth. I mean, we are just one piece of this earth. We're just a little particle that's like this table, right? This table's cooler than me, that's for sure. I, uh, I'm i going to go and listen to that episode. <laughs> I, I also just interviewed, I just published it yes, yesterday or today, an, an interview with Drew Brophy. The, the guy from artist, oh, no, the artist who did all those lost surfboards in the nineties. Okay. Like Chris yeah. Ward's boards. Like, like uh, Glom, John Glom, like similar. Like yeah. When they paint with the pins. Exactly. Posh like pins. Yeah. Anyways, he got, is he from here? He's San Clemente guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he got COVID and literally almost died. Like was in a coma for 30 days. What? Push, like got, had a near death experience while he was in, co in a coma where, yeah, where he like saw the light you know, and had to come back from it. So anyways, he's in recovery now, getting back all his motor functions and stuff, but talking to him about going through an experience like that, he's like, all the prayers that people were sending was energy that I could feed off of. Right. And like, it, there's something else out there. He's like, I saw the light. There's nothing to be afraid of. Right. Everything that I was feared before, I no longer fear. Love matters. Just be kind to one another. Don't be afraid of any. It was freaking. Did you meet him before all that happened? Did you no. see a different? Wow. It was it was wild though. And so hearing stuff like that of people who have been through things, yeah. I do. I am completely open yeah, to the crystal conversation. Why, why or not? Right. What's the worst thing that can happen by being open to things? Yeah. That obviously have affected many millions. I mean, think about what other cultures use crystals as real stuff. Yeah. And then you're like, well, they're not doing it just to be hipsters. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. this isn't the girl with the Bohemian room in Encinitas. That's trying to like bring in all these, you know, good vibes, good vibes. It's more or less seeing what it's done for other cultures and stuff. And then seeing how much work goes into one of the stones, like Amberis or I, I probably said that wrong, but like Jade. And, and then he tell you what Jade means. Why would they go through all that? if it was just this pink stone, you right. know, it's like, it actually has a description that goes on for like two or three different um, novels. So yeah. there is something to it. And it's exciting to actually let your ego go. That for me, I've been a, I have to be right guy my mm -hmm. whole life. I've always had to be right. Shane Dorian would always say, oh, you always have to be right. Because I would be like, if my idea was wrong, I'd fight to the end till they agreed with my idea. When it was really, I should have just been like, yeah, you're probably right. Right. And now and that I'm older, I'm it. always yeah. wrong. I Whenever I can be wrong, I say, I'm wrong. I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. I'm wrong because it's so powerful. Whenever you want to be right, it's so weak sauce. It's yeah. like, why do you want to be right so bad? 
Like, yeah. what's the point? Are you going to win something? Is there a prize? Who knows? No, Ego. it's like, always be open. Always always be okay with being the person that's sitting there listening. It's such a more powerful position. Yeah. Well, Benji. Dude, uh, I love we, it. We covered a lot in 90 minutes. I feel nice. like you've spoken more than uh, most people do in two hours. Yeah, so nice. well done. Yep. Um, I had a lot of coffee. And uh, looking forward to Let's Party. Let's Potty. I like Let's Party. Let's Potty. <laughs> And also looking forward to stand up too. So, oh, yeah, you if you have time, twenty seventh, twenty eighth in uh, Belly Up, Solana Beach. Perfect. If anyone has any urge to come watch that thing, watch me. It, the best part is, is I'm probably going to eat a bunch of dicks and eat a lot of crap, and everyone around me is going to be pointing and laughing, and hopefully in a good way. And if if people can't get there, they'll see it on the internet. I'm sure. True. Yeah. Somebody will film it and put it on YouTube. And yeah. Make fun. Well, Taylor Steele and Greg Brownie are going to be there. If Perfect. they don't film it, they're fired. Perfect. All right, Benji. Thank right you. On. Thank you very much, Benji Weatherly. What an epic guest. I mean, Benji made my job so easy in this conversation. And I'm also just such a big fan of his um, from my youth. I mean, his surfing, again, is kind of underrated because his personality is so large, but I loved it. He was always so funny in all the surf video parts. And uh, obviously, spending time with him, he's just fun to be around. So thank you, Benji. His podcast is Let's Potty, P-O-D-D-Y. You can find it on any podcast app that you use, wherever you're listening to this, obviously. And then I've posted links to all of that stuff, including um, old clips of him surfing, video of him caddying for Adam Scott. You know, Benji just lives this insane life. And you can find really interesting clips of him on YouTube. So come over to surfsplendorpodcast.com to check all of that out and a link over to Benji's podcast. And of course, you can link over to our sponsor stuff on our website as well. Thank you so much, Slow Tide Towels. Thank you to Waterways Travel. Thank you to RealWaterSports.com. And of course, thank you to Florence Marine X. And thank you to all of our listeners who support our work for 5 or $10 a month. You are all entered to win the Channel Islands free scrubber that we are giving away on June 1st next week. So I'll be excited to find out who that person is. We just put those names into a Wheel of Fortune function on the internet, and it's called the Wheel of Names. You can look it up, and then um, it automatically generates the winner, just picks them at random. So cannot wait to give that thing away. Super exciting. And then we have an album free wing available next month for all of you subscribers and supporters as well. So thanks to everyone who keeps this ball rolling. Thrilled to be able to have conversations like this with Benji. I've got an episode next week with Dylan Graves. Waiting to hear back from Sasha Jane Lowerson. And of course, there's many, many more in the works beyond that. So thank you so much. This is David Scales for Surf Splendor signing off until next week and reminding you to get back into the ocean, share some waves, and of course, shred on.
And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.